Good morning. It's Fan Morning Show Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Against all odds, I am seated here in person, ready to continue my professional career as a radio broadcaster. It's yeah. gut check time. Literally. Playoff warrior. Nothing can hold me back. Not even 10 loony dogs. 10 dogs were consumed by yours truly. It's another day in life, Justin. I got to be honest. I'm surprised after 10 loony dogs that you're here. Nothing can stop me. I'm not sure I would have left the stadium. I think I would have been like permanently. They had to roll me out in a bun. How many people do you think actually ate 10 last night? Not many. Like, are you on a short list of 10 people? I think I'm in like one percentile. You're definitely in the top percentile. You know when you like 28,000 made it there? You apply for law school and they're like, you're in the one percentile if you're like, that's me. My really poor math skills would suggest that the 1% would be. <laughs> Don't do it this early, man. Don't put yourself uh, two, on two, blast. 280 people? Oh, dude, less than that. Like, uh, I mean, the answer would be less than that. 8, 10 dogs. Yes, that's what I mean. Like, there, if there's no way multiple hundreds of people ate 10 hot dogs. Only few can rise to the occasion and block out the noise. And go toe-to-toe with the best of the best. And I was one of them. And you know what? Could have been one of the most proud moments I've had in my athletic career last night. And I'm feeling it this morning. But it's worth it. People play in the Stanley Cup playoffs with broken tibulas and fibulas and... Tibulas. I got got that vibe this morning. Hobbled my way in and I'm ready to go. Tibulas and fibulas. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I mean, that, I'm proud of you. Uh, listen. Are you, though? Yeah, I think because... you're disgusted. Because, That's yeah, fine. No, I'm, I'm a little disgusted, but I'm also <laughs> proud because... Listen, your shtick, this is your thing. The Looney Dogs is your thing, and it's often imitated, but it's never duplicated. There's only one person that goes to the Rogers Center mm-hmm. and actually houses hot dogs. There's a lot of people that talk about housing hot dogs. There's only one person I know who actually goes there and does it, and that's why you deserve my respect and everyone's respect. Ten hot, double-digit hot dogs for someone in a hot dog suit. Everybody else is talking about how many hot dogs they're going to eat, when they're going to eat hot mm. dogs. There's only one person that actually does it. Tell him, that's Justin. Ailish Forfar. I will say... The Looney Dog Kings always deserve to be in the they conversation. Sh- they show up. They're, they, they're in that 1%. Well, let me tell you, those guys are royalty. I'm jealous. I know they're listening. They've got their own private area reserved on the Schneider, really? Schneider Sports. Yep. They got presented two custom Blue Jays jerseys with Hot Dog 1 and Hot Dog 2. Hmm. But they earned it. They, As a collective unit, we ate 50 Hot dogs. That unit is, it runs four deep or five deep? It was four plus one, like a friend or two popped in there. Who cares? It's 50 dogs. No, and I, I mean, contributed that's, a, that's 10. I just want to, you know, uh, want to give them their credit. But they're getting like in-game interviews. They're up there on the porch. And I'm like, you guys are in this. I feel like I kind of jumped on the bandwagon with them, but we can, there's lots of room. Did they he, beat you to the punch? Because you've been on this since day one. I don't know. Have you not? Just share the share the love. No, but, I mean you got that's the crew. That's the hot that's dog. It's a squad. Crew. We're the it's squad. a small group. We're the squad. But they're but the thing is they're gonna grind out every one of these eleven Looney Dogs games, and I almost wanted to admit my retirement this morning after how last night went. I will not eat ten more, and I told them this. Unless we're in game eleven of the Looney Dogs journey and we're a couple dogs away, then I'll have to do it again. But I'm going to be hovering around the five range. 
So this took a toll on my body. Not no retirement. No, but I, I'll be quiet about it for the next couple months. Okay, it'll be yeah, like it's. I did my work. I put the grind in. You definitely did, and and that's what happens, right? Like with you know, you, you earn your celebrity, mm-hmm. and then it's like meet and greet stuff. It's like yeah, I'm here. <laughs> I, I've already won my championship. Now you just celebrate. That's right. The championship, and you I'm did here to your like job. help inspire the next generation. Let me tell you, I saw at least a dozen people. In hot dog costumes last night, it's spreading. Mm-hmm. The juice is spreading the ju- through the, the fan base. That hot, dog, hot juice. dog juice. Anyway, so let me tell you about Joey Chestnut, who is a friend of the show. And, and it should be said when I say you know victory laps for the rest of the mm-hmm. season and just like comfortable hot dog eating, it's because you did accomplish something. Mm-hmm. Joey Chestnut set a line, and you. Hit the over In the moment, it. I said, yes, Joey. The most legendary eater of all time set a line for you, and you surpassed it. That is Hall of Fame championship worthy. That is mm. plan the parade, execute the parade, meet and greets, television appearances, right. maybe a custom Blue Jays jersey when you hang out with the Looney Dog guys next time. Like, you did something last night, <laughs> right? I also think there was a... Um, Couple points. So I was in the Rogers Landing. By the way, the hype is real. That place is lit. I got there early enough when gates opened to get in line to see my guy Joey. So there's enough time to get a photo, talk to Joey, and then get down to the Rogers Landing, secure a spot, and hang out there for eight innings. Sorry, Rogers Landing is that's the one beside the bullpen. Beside the bullpen, okay. So if you're the Chicago White Sox waking up this morning, you had nightmares of me peeking around. The catcher in a hot dog suit mm. directly staring down the guy warming up the bullpen. Okay. I did my part. There you go. I wasn't vocal like some other shenanigans happening in there. Where It just also wear earplugs. There's like a collection of 17 to 21-year-old boys that are trying to like get on, I don't know, some sort of viral Instagram page. And they just yell like ridiculous things the whole game. Okay. Whatever. Not my thing. I was more just like quietly peering in the background and they were laughing at me. Like the guys on the White Sox were like, what are you wearing? And I'm like, you want a dog? (laughs) And the Blue Jays won seven, nothing. So you can attest that some of that has to do with me distracting. Why why was it adversarial when you asked them if they want a dog? Well, I was like, come on, you want a dog? And the guy's like, nah. (laughs) Anyway, Rogers Landing, electric place to watch the ball game. I loved it. It was good. But then there was a point where I took probably, and I'm not exaggerating, Justin, uh, 18 to 25 photos with people. Mm-hmm. And I think people thought I was like part of like the Looney Dogs mascot. Cause they're like, okay, can we get a photo? And I'm like, what? Like, I don't. Sorry, live Looney, here. Do- Looney Dogs mascot? Like, I think they thought I was part of like the mascot of the Rogers Center. Cause okay. I was hanging, I was the only. You were like Ace's buddy on Select I Looney Dogs. I legitimately Dogs. think okay. that that's what became where there's people like lined up to take a photo. Like, they thought that. You had a lineup? I swear to God. Did they know that you host the show? No, they know nobody who knew Eilish who I was. Is? They were just taking photos with me, and I started to be like, I kind of want to watch the game, but I went with it. And then at one point, I just had to say, just so everybody knows, like, I'm a fan. I'm, I'm here to watch. And we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just thought the costume was really cool. And I'm like, there's like 15 people in these costumes. Anyway, that, that was hilarious. Joey Chestnut had a lineup um, up, upstairs in the Schneider's porch that started at 5.30, went to 6.30. I got there at 5.38. Okay. Lengthy line. People did, fired up to see Joey. I get to the front. 
And you were too. Listen, that, I mean, I was. the Joey interview yesterday was electric. You guys had built something on air that mm-hmm. I thought was going to carry over into real life. And I got up there and I'm like, Joey, it's me from the radio. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. How are you? And I shook his hand. I gave him a hug. I don't think I just did. I came out. I gave him a hug. He was kind of hesitant. There's a video I'll show you. I don't know if he, he kind of like resists, but we hugged. I'm in the costume. And I'm like, buddy, we got to go head to head. Like you said, he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. we'll go, we'll go. Like, I'm like, we got to get some dogs. Like we got like, everyone's listening. Like they said that you challenged me to go ahead. And he's like, I know, I know. So we took a photo and then I was out. Next person was in line. I'm sorry to, uh, to, to break the news, but I think that Joey Chestnut ate zero hot dogs yesterday at the Rogers Center. Now that's quite the accusation. Were you, were you around him the whole time? If Joey Chestnut ate a hot dog, do you not think it would have been all over the video board or all over social media? I was told, and I got sources, that he just didn't want to eat any dogs. Who told you he didn't want to eat a dog? Don't worry about it. I can't put them on blast. So uh, everything Joey was saying last this yesterday morning. I think maybe morning. yesterday was just a day of enjoying. Hold and on, not hold a, do- he, a day he, of he indulging. Promised, he promised us that he was scanning the menu. I think he was scared, Poutine Justin. dogs he was going after. I think he was scared. He was going to eat all day, all night. Preparing his scared. body just like he would at the Nathan's famous hot mm-hmm. dog eating competition. And he didn't have a single bite. I didn't see the guy eat one. Show me video evidence and change my opinion. But I'm getting back on the line. How do, you, how do you feel about that? Vindicated. He's scared. You, you feel vindicated? <laughs> he I thought someone. Out. I thought someone who idolized. Joey I understand Chestnut it. I respect it. Immensely disappointed. He's so good like, at never his craft. Meet your idols. He's so, so good, good at his craft, at craft that he's like, I don't need to do it this morning or this evening. But I will say one last All thing right. on this. That's quite the spin. I don't know. I can't be mean on hump day. Joey Chestnut did his best. Got his jersey and he got out. There was a hot dog eating competition. Got the comp- bag and got out. <laughs> it was a hot dog eating competition during the third inning. They put these two guys on the screen. Joey Chestnut is refereeing it. Okay. They have 20 seconds. There's two, I'd say they're probably eight 22-year-old kids. They have a lineup of hot dogs in front of them, okay? They hype it up. Okay, we're going to do a countdown. Joey Chestnut's going to referee. Three, two, one. How many hot dogs do you think they ate? 20 seconds? Yeah. They didn't finish one. The guy was shoving the final bits in his mouth when the buzzer went off. He barely got one. Yeah, like it's almost impossible to hot dog if you're and a, if you're I a saw normie. I the disappointment in, in Joey Chestnut's eyes watching these two 22-year-old kids struggle on the main on the big stage, well, the I bright hope lights. I saw the disappointment in your eyes. And I thought, wow, could I give them like a minute? <laughs> 20 seconds. Yeah, a minute would yeah, give them a They're chance not pros. to get two down. They tried their best. Like shout out to those kids, but I mean, I one barely a dog in 20 seconds. I saw Joey Joey probably left. He was probably disappointed and the squad, but we all did our best. And at night one of Looney Dogs, people can do hard things. You know, you can just believe in yourself this morning. If you're listening, you're getting up, you're not feeling, you're, you know, feeling down. Just think, like, against all odds, you can eat 10 dogs. You can do the unthinkable. You can be a hero in a hot dog suit. Doesn't matter what people believe. So you just remember that. Okay? Remember that Ailish was one of less than 280 people to have at least 10 hot dogs. I did, it for you. did it for I you. I do have one little thing that I'm mm. uh, that I noticed yesterday with your social media presence. And I, and I have exactly a perfect rebuttal for this, so go ahead. Your ketchup dispersion is comically bad. Okay. 
Like, I, what, what, is, I understand. Uh, what is going on there? So, first of all... What do you... You buy four dogs in a row, and they hand them to you, and they're wrapped in tinfoil. Then you have to go and juggle these hot dogs over to the condiment station, unwrap the, the tinfoil, put the hot dog, the ketchup on, and then rewrap it. So, it looks like an absolute disaster when you unwrap it 20 minutes later when you get to your spot. So, they look disturbing, but they were perfectly pristine when I put the ketchup on and then had to travel multiple floors of the I don't ballpark. Know. Does ketchup travel down the length of the dog to end up in one area of the hot dog and not when on the other area? When you're juggling hot dogs and you're mushing them into your armpit to walk through the concourse, yeah, they look bad. So because you are, you know, Looney Dog King, Queen, excuse me. This is right. Uh, will you bring like a little Tupperware or something to house some ketchup yourself so you can do better next time Later because frankly in the evening i found where you could get the individual packets the made packets a big difference eat, yeah, but early on eat, the yeah. first four dogs i ate were because they were all wrapped in the in the they were pre i you know mm. but later on the dispersion was better the dispersion did yeah because improve. you got the packets yeah nonetheless great evening we'll see how i feel in about three and a half hours I will say you need, if you're going to do this, bring, drink a lot of water because my body is a carcass of sodium and nitrates. <laughs> my ankles felt so swollen on my walk home. I felt like I just got off a 23-hour flight worldwide when you know you know that feeling. Where you're so just you, need, like, you need compression socks. Yeah, I honestly think you need compression socks. Like they should sell them with a the J-stop. Because you got to drink a lot of water, and I was kind of behind on that. Did beer help in any way? Help no, or hurt? I needed to get one beer to, like, try to help get them down. Stem during, the tide? Between four and six. When you get to four and six of the dogs, it's that's where you got check time. So you got to dig deep, just like the Maple Leafs. Okay, so learnings were, you know, something to improve the ketchup situation. Yep. Compression socks. Anything else? Any other takeaways? Just so everyone, you Block know, out the noise. Block out the haters. You can do hard things and just reach for the stars, kids, this morning. When you're getting ready and you're going to school and you got a big math test, reach for the stars. Well, congratulations. Thank Again, there, I mean, a lot of people are, you know, really want to make this their thing. And it's only one person's thing. And only one person walks it and talks it. And that's Ailish Forfar. Toxic is how my body feels. <laughs> I think it's going to get worse. Anyway, the Blue Jays also won. Great night at the ballpark, seven nothing smoke fest of the Chicago White Sox. How many uh, like total innings do you think you watched? Yeah, it was a, it was a little bit more difficult to take thirty five thousand photos and crush a bunch of dogs and be dialed. But that where I'm sitting or standing in the Rogers Landing, you're getting a great view of the game. Mm. No balls came to us in this area, but it was it was perfect night. The ballpark. Yeah, Danny, Jose Barrios. Danny Jansen was going the other way. Jose Barrios dialed. Yep. I think the question that we had about two spins ago with the rotation, feeling like we're in a pretty good spot. We're going to have John Morosi on the show later. He'll, he's back from Paris. Très bien. Oui, oui. Bonjour. Hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, there are no glizzies in Paris. <laughs> Uh, we'll, have him at, <laughs> we'll have him at 7.30. Uh, we'll get his take on how it's stabilized. But, I mean, Jose Barrios is dialed. He's looking like a guy of confidence on that mound. And the team is rallying behind just having some consistency on the starting pitching front. Um, they're amongst league leaders right now in starting pitching innings, mm-hmm. which is a great sign because 
the bullpen has been a question mark, and we brought that up. But if they're not getting as taxed as we thought, and the, and the starting pitching rotation is starting to really lean in to longer outings, feeling good about where the Jays are at right now. Yeah, speaking of catch-up, we're playing catch-up uh, a little bit with the Blue Jays because, you know, it's been a busy time in the land of the Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, Nick Nurse getting fired. Well, a couple other things that have been pulling us away from the Jays, so John Morosi will be a good refresher from us. But I guess, like, the one thing that's happened while we've kind of been looking the other way is just a solidified rotation, right? Seven straight quality starts, I think you mentioned, including two from Jose Barrios, who was throwing gas last night. We're seeing uh, Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker after the game talking about Jose Barrios throwing his hardest pitch as a Blue Jay last night for a guy who Mm -hmm. might be a declining asset. That is a good good sign of things, but he was just awesome. Vintage Jose Barrios, if you want to call it that. Uh, and one of the most encouraging things you could possibly see right now for the Blue Jays, I mean, if they're just like, if their starting rotation is just really good, I mean. I mean, they have the pieces. It should be really good. If, if it is if it is that, like, you, it simplifies trade deadline. It simplifies the season. It puts you in a position where you know exactly what you have and where you are going into more important games over the course of the summer and into September. So, no better sign than really, really impressive stuff from the starting rotation. And now our guy, you say Kikuchi, you say Kikuchi, one o'clock to close out a series, potentially sweep, perfect mm. viewing experience on this hump day. And we'll see if he can make it eight straight quality starts and have his name with Bast and Brios among the, the, the uh, group that has done or that has provided two consecutive quality starts here on a really good run from this Blue Jays starting pitching. And it's interesting that we have the pitching conversation first because we saw Nate Pearson yesterday. Um, It's been a while since he's been up in the big leagues, and the story has obviously been riddled with a lot of unfortunate injuries and time for Nate Pearson, and it was great. He got a pretty good applause when he got out there. He didn't pitch uh, too lengthy of a showing, but it is really great to see that he got an opportunity through, what, 15 strikes on 22 pitches um, he hit 99. I think it was a great sheltered spot to put him back in. There's going to be, I don't know, I feel like there's going to be a lot of pressure on him, but every time he talks to the media, he says how he's in just a great spot and he's coming in with a different level of like understanding what his role is going to be with this team. And I think it's probably been a really, really tough battle, and he's admitted it over the last two, three seasons of coming in being a really highly touted kid that's going to come in and be a starting pitcher. He's obviously dealt with a lot of injury, and now he's just going to be a bullpen guy. And Maybe it's the relief of not having the question mark. I mean, like, we're going to put you in the bullpen. and let, Like, let's see you have some run up here. And that's what, I mean, the opportunity was with, with Simber, obviously, because he's not, he's on the IL. But I want to see Nate Pearson have a lengthy opportunity, work through those things. Last night was a great sheltered spot to put him in there. And scoreless inning i mean it was in the eighth so like uh they were up pretty big uh but that's kind of where you want to see him like tiptoe into it i hope it helps build confidence because i want the best from that from that kid like he's had a tough go the ideal spot for him to to you know make his re-debut yeah. i suppose uh because it was you know it was a non-competitive inning at least in terms of the you know the score line very comfortable could go out there and just get that first uh appearance uh, under his belt i mean the thing with pearson is yeah, it's a little disappointing. It's disappointing for fans, disappointing for him. I'm sure this is not how he or fans had ever envisioned this all going. Yeah. But he can be a massive, 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 massive asset for this team if he can be a power arm out of the bullpen. Like, that is exactly what this team needs. If Nate Pearson is one, can be that guy who throws 99 in the 7th or 8th inning and overwhelm opposing 
lineups mm-hmm. with the lead when the Blue Jays have the lead, even when they don't have the lead. Yep. That is like the most important thing. This is what this team is going to probably go out and try and get at the trade deadline. I would imagine if the start, especially if the starting rotation is what it has been. And if Pearson can be maybe one of the two arms you would be exploring. And frankly, that's what I would be doing if mm-hmm. I was the Blue Jays. I need more power back there. If Pierce can be, Pearson can be one half of that equation, how much easier does it make Ross Atkins' job over the next couple months here? Uh, it would be a massive, massive coup if Nate Pearson could be a weapon out of the bullpen for the Toronto Blue Jays. And the story gets or finalized, if you want to put it that way, the next chapter at least is a positive one yeah. when it's been largely and exclusively negative to this point. So Blue Jays 15 and 9. I know the first month of this season is always kind of like, okay, how real is this thing? We've gone through many conversations already about starting pitching, rotation's been down, been up, whatever. So we're kind of rounding out April with, I think, some tangible things to feel good about with with the Toronto Blue Jays. Once again, we can run through those with... Our buddy um, John Morosi at 7.30, but pitching from the beginning of the month to the end of the month, feeling like we've had a steady incline. Lots of baseball to be played. Lots of baseball to be played. The Chicago White Sox are not a good baseball team. They're 7-17. and 17, a Gross Very team. disappointing start for them. But you can only beat the teams in front of you. Blue Jays have a big weekend ahead. Uh, our buddy, Teoscar Hernandez, back in town with mm. the Seattle Mariners. So there'll be a lot of eyes on this three-game series starting on Friday night. Blue Jays get a chance to go for the sweep today at 1 o'clock. Um, that'll be a fun little daytime viewing for you. Danny Jansen needs a lot of love for last night. Uh, multiple home runner. Runner? Home run night? Yeah. Eh, it's the meat runners. talking. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, the sausage brains going on. Leading the Blue Jays uh, in runners in scoring position this year, which has already become this was a, this was a conversation last year near the end of the season, I believe, when it was like Blue Jays just can't get anything going with runners in scoring position, and this has been a little bit of a background conversation throughout the month of April, and uh, just put Danny Jansen at the plate, just leading the team. I think he's got like a what three sixty four average with runners in scoring position. Obviously, last night helped a little bit with that, but. Gotta love the guy. If not, Danny Jansen. If not consistent, clutch out of that area of the lineup would be very, very nice mm-hmm. because you're going to depend on the other guys more often than not. But if it's not, it, that's the thing. We were talking early on in the season, you know, seven, eight. Is there a bit of a, a, a dark hole there? Maybe so. Maybe in terms of like total and if you're looking at, you know, the full analytical profile of how a lineup is performing, maybe. But if it's just a guy who's clutch and hits in big moments, That'll make up for some of that stuff, and you won't be feeling as bad about potential weaknesses in your lineup mm-hmm. if that's the case. So I don't even I don't even consider Danny like I think he's a great catcher. I am all for Danny Jansen being the guy. That's what I was completely fine with Moreno going the other way because I think there should be trust in Danny Jansen. I think he's he's that professional guy who's going to stabilize things from both a pitching and lineup perspective mm-hmm. on most nights. And when he's hitting home runs, then it's all just gravy on that hot dog nice all right so 1 p.m today so our schedule is a little bit different so blue jays have a 1 p.m start on sportsnet sportsnet 590 the fan and sportsnet.ca slash 590 and sportsnet app and then jeff blair and kevin barker will bring you jay's talk immediately following the final out so a little bit of a different schedule for us today um we'll have the jeff merrick show from one to two but that's the alternate stream on 360 raptor show will be sportsnet 360 youtube and alternative stream 
from 2 to 3. And then Kipper and Bourne as well will be YouTube alternative stream as well. And then 4 p.m. Jay's talk with Blair and Barker. And then we'll end up with Jay's uh, after Jay's with fan drive time. Um, same stuff. Busy so 1 p.m. game kind of throws you for loop, but you can find everything still. Just not a little bit of different. Just be creative, folks. You'll find us. Fire up the YouTube. Doesn't affect us because we grind every morning. Rise and grind, baby. Yeah, they don't play baseball games at 6 a.m. <laughs> Oof. Somewhere in the world. Five o'clock somewhere. Um, all right. So Maple Leafs off day yesterday um, in terms of media, though, gave us some content. Mm-hmm. Right. The Michael Bunting question. This will be the, probably the last time we have no answer for it because the Maple Leafs big game five tomorrow at home against the Tampa Bay Lightning, which we will both be in attendance for. There you go. We secured the press passes. They liked us so much that we got another opportunity to go back. We'll be in the building when maybe the Maple Leafs do something they haven't done in a very, very, very long time. Michael Bunting conversation is going to be hot today because Sheldon Keefe came out yesterday and straight up said that Matthew Nyes is not coming out of the lineup. Right. When he was asked about, okay, what's going to happen? Michael Bunting could slot back in. He said he will not be coming out of the lineup as Matthew Nyes. So straight up gave us a nice little piece there to unpack, which means, all right, if Matthew Nyes isn't the guy, who's the guy? Is there a guy that comes out of the lineup for Matthew, for Michael Bunting today? Yeah, he was straight up about Nyes, not straight up about the Michael Bunting situation. So I guess we will find out later today when the Maple Leafs do practice, assuming they will not go for the back-to-back off day thing. That would be a little bit strange. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're going to learn, uh, I guess, of their intentions, whether Sheldon Keefe wants to admit it or not after practice, we shall see. But yeah, I think we're going to get a pretty good idea of what he's got planned here. Uh, so yeah, I think it's worth breaking down the pros and cons of whether or not Michael Bunting should or shouldn't be back in the lineup for the Maple Leafs. And there are many pros and cons in this discussion. And I think that uh, we're going to be polarized, especially in the text line this morning. So five ninety five ninety, we always want to take your thoughts. And your vibes on a Wednesday morning before the Maple Leafs start yet tomorrow's pregame festivities and before we see the lineup changes that maybe Sheldon Keep makes in practice today. Pros for Matthew Nyes is that he's been great, and I'm glad that... Michael Bunting. Yes, but my, um, Matthew Nyes has been great. I'm really glad that he's going to get it run okay, away. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm just very happy that Sheldon Keefe came out and said that because good for the kid to also know some confidence that he's back in there and he's earned that. So mm-hmm. if Michael Bunting were to slot back in... He could be in a multitude of different spots, right? He could slot back into a top six role. He could be, I don't want to use the word punished, but he could be demoted to a bottom six role. But I think you start to question what Michael Bunting, and this is where my first like con is, what Michael Bunting are you going to get in the lineup if A, the Tampa Bay Lightning maybe look to to push his buttons a little bit? They know Michael Bunting is a guy with a lot of fire. Are they going to... Early on in the game, try to get under his skin. So that could be a, a con in a sense. It might be a distraction. B, if Michael Bunting is playing reserved, tight, nervous, feeling like I cannot make a mistake, I cannot get out of sorts, is that the Michael Bunting that's going to bring the most benefit to your lineup? Mm-hmm. Is there not somebody that's in a more comfortable spot, a Zach Aston Reese, a Sam Lafferty, or whoever you want to put in the maybe conversation to be out of the lineup that isn't? with that pressure, right? That isn't going to be like every time the whistle blows, if Michael Bunting's in the crease, everyone's watching him. Everyone's looking. Did he do something extra? Is he out? Is he, is he going to make a mistake? Is Can you trust him? So those are two reasons for me that I'm like, 
and then there's a couple more, but like those are my first points of hesitation is what Michael Bunting are you getting? And are the Tampa Bay Lightning circling him as a target? Yeah, I think uh, to try to encapsulate that, it's like, is this situation right for this player in this moment? Mm -hmm. And we understand that Michael Bunting can be a bit of a loose cannon. Uh, I don't know how you want to define loose cannon, but a guy who at least can get distracted from the point, the point being to win hockey games and to try to, you know, just be better than the competition. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you distract from that. So if he's a loose cannon or someone who's easily distractible, is it that much worse that he's going to most certainly have a target on his back? Like if he is a wanted man out there and he can't deal with being a wanted man, does it take away from whatever benefit he would give you? So I think that's the major con is that he would be somewhat of a sideshow, maybe, potentially. Unless Tampa is just like, okay, we're going to act cool about this. And when we but get Tampa's a chance to lay a lick, lot of, we will do it. Tampa's got a lot of pressure on them. I think the Maple Leafs have more pressure, which we can get into another part of the show. But Tampa Bay is going to be looking for any edge, right? They're yeah, going to look that, for any way to exploit the Maple Leafs who have somehow come out of that road trip with a 3-1 lead. So if it has to be getting a little shot on um, Michael Bunting in the corner, giving a little bit extra in front of the net. If that's going to be the way that they can get under the Maple Leaf skin and they, they know that they can, that's where my point of pause comes in terms of just throwing him back in the lineup. We've talked about expertise, situational know-how, understanding how to be in a situation like this one where there is that storyline, there is that subplot, and how are we going to use that to our advantage? You trust in the Lightning to take advantage of this this little chapter, this little subplot, way more than you would trust in Michael Bunting and, I guess, by extension, the Maple Leafs to deal with it. I think that is probably the biggest con. The more, like, philosophical con, I guess, would be disrupting a winning lineup. It's been a shaky lineup at mm-hmm. times. It was shaky almost all throughout their trip to Tampa Bay. But, wins but win. it's a winning lineup, mm-hmm. right? It's a winning lineup. Are you superstitious? Just, no. Like, I tried to think about if I was in a playoff push when I was in college or wherever I played. Mm -hmm. I tried to think if I was in this situation and my coach switched up a lineup and we had just won three straight, I think I would be like, oh, are you tempting, tempting fate a little bit? Like, not tarot cards, but are you, are you pushing it a bit? Are you searching for something? I know the Maple Leafs didn't play their best 60 minutes plus two overtime periods. Both times. You can just say what it is. Like, if it's just superstitious, I mean... if that's how you feel as an athlete, then it's real. But I don't know if that's. But I don't know if that's how I want my head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, who's getting paid big money and has a lot of pressure on him, to be making decisions based on superstition. But nonetheless, we do think about that. Like there is also a vibe in that locker room too. Maybe superstitious is a hard thing to value. But you look around, and now all of a sudden, Bunting's coming back in. You're telling me there's not one guy in that lineup that's like, come on, like this kid, like really, we're like we're gonna put we're gonna put this kid in the lineup right now. Maybe there's a little bit of doubt of has he is he the right fit right now for this moment, right? And maybe that just trickles a little bit through some doubt in the lineup. I I don't know. Here's here's the coaching perspective or the think the ideal coaching perspective because superstition. If you don't want Sheldon Keith to be dealing with that, I think that's very fair. But I think what's also fair is that in order to put him in comfortably, you got to put him on the top line. Because Michael Bunting is not an overly effective player. He's mm-hmm. even a net negative player when he's playing away from Austin Matthews. Like, if you look at expected goals over the last two years, with or without, good old wowies, with or without Austin Matthews, we're talking about running out at about 70% with Matthews. Good stuff. 
top-line player. Really encouraged by that partnership. When he's away from Austin Matthews, and it's a smaller mm-hmm. sample, albeit a pretty large one, we're talking about barely breaking even. We're talking about 48-49%. So that's a big difference, right? 70% player expected goals with a superstar, sub-50% without a superstar. So that, that might be the question just right there. Are you going to put him back on the top line? Do you believe enough or not put any credit or a merit to, you know, distractions and what Corey Perry might do, whatever. Mm-hmm. If you believe in him enough to put him on the top line, then it's worth it. Great player can help you on the top line. But if you are not going to put him in that spot, if you're like, oh, we'll just try and squeeze six minutes out of him on the fourth line. Well, those might be a negative six minutes because, because the numbers mm-hmm. would bear that out. And that's not where Michael Bunting is going to thrive best. And that's not where that fourth line is going to thrive less best either like they have found some of an identity they're heavy hunting not heavy he has a different style than a fourth liner right now like he he hasn't been in that role so he has been in this top six position i think it's more disruptive to put him on the fourth line than to not play him yes i agree with that okay so we are in agreement for, I think, most of this. Okay, so we started con, which kind of, like, tells you where we're leaning, I think. Well, yeah, I, I'm striking straight up sad. I don't think he should yeah. join the lineup tonight. We definitely have. Yeah, With the we, series yeah, we said clinching in your hand on home ice, I don't think that, like, if it was me, I would I would have plenty of reasons to not put him in the lineup tonight. Do you have some pros? Yeah, I mean, he's a proven offensive factor at times. I, I mean, the number one pro is he's a top 12 forward on this yeah. team. So if you're looking at it very basically, it's like, do okay, you do, you, best do you want in? to put your best That's players it. in the lineup? M- Michael Bunting, again, and I said it, it's kind of replacement level if you just look at the numbers away from Austin Matthews, a replacement level player that plays really well with superstars. And that's worth something. That might be worth, you know, a seven-year contract worth I mean, whatever, Callie five Yarncroke million a year this summer. I mean, played with superstar really sure. players too. Exactly. I'm so, sure I would do serviceable on that top line, line made of Laura Stacey. That's Come right. On. I lived off Laura Stacey's coattails. <laughs> so so the, the, that's the pro. It's like, are you guys dumb? Top 12 forward, play your best guys. I think another one, and maybe the strongest one, and maybe the one that Sheldon Keefe has to deal with the most, is that if you don't put him in, do you create distractions, lingering issues, does it cause something in the room? Does it cause something with bunting? If you get past Tampa, is it a weird situation moving forward? I does think it's a new hurt, slate. Does this hurt the relationship? Uh, ideally, it's a new slate. But does this hurt, fundamentally hurt the relationship between Michael Bunting, which might be an important relationship mm-hmm. if you're going to go far in the Stanley Cup playoffs, with Michael Bunting and the Maple Leafs? Like, can you get by him not playing in this game? So worst case scenario for me is you don't play him, you lose tonight. And then you have to put the tail between your legs. Oh, sorry. And, that's, I thought you said best. I'm like, what? No, worst case scenarios, you don't put him in tonight and you make this statement, which you should feel proud about that you can do the hard thing. You lose. You have to put him in in Tampa, tail between your legs, say, okay, you're back in. And then that's a bit uncomfortable. You win tonight. You don't put him in. It's like, okay, we did the right thing. We move on to Boston. It's a completely different, like you're earning. Everyone's earning their spots again. You get some time. You get to like look at Boston. It's a completely different lineup. We'll say that Boston is a similar type of style at times to Tampa. So it's still going to be the same challenges for Michael Bunting, but it's just, almost just like. Just not the immediate animosity. Yes. He's going to build that animosity within seconds, but not immediate. But it just feels like it's, a, it's you're also going to be riding the elation of winning a first round series. It's like we needed to do what we needed to do. We had to make tough decisions. 
to win this series. Now we've done that. Now we're riding a high. Like it's a completely new season if you win ten or tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of erases some of the animosity that might be there. Uh, you'd hope you'd be able to get through it. And frankly, if you don't get through it, and Michael Bunting wants to throw a little pity party, then you just move on also, because like you're like you're okay. I don't want to say and you just beat the Tampa up, Bay Lightning like, maybe in five games. You have to kind of reap the consequences of your action. It's 100%. like it's like that meme. We're all trying to find the guy that did this, and he's wearing a hot dog suit from. So I think you should leave. That's how you'd be feeling if you're pouting about causing your own. I mean, the suspension was maybe a game or two too long. Whatever. You still that was you made the action that got you into the press box. So I guess the counter to your point is okay. They don't put their quote unquote best lineup on the ice. They lose. Yeah. Then the pressure is like not insurmountable, but on the path to it mm-hmm. for Game Six in Tampa Bay. And then you're talking about Game Seven. And at that point, it's all so, bets are off. Like, I, again, the, the importance of game five is you can't really overstate it. It is massive. It's huge. It is really, really important that the Maple Leafs win this game. Uh, and I guess you got to, and Sheldon Keefe is considering it. And he, I probably, he probably knows the answer, whether or not Michael Bunting can help you win that game. The other pro, I guess, would be, and I've got a question mark beside it, physicality. Like, <laughs> He is one of your more physical players. He's more physical than Alex Kerfoot. He's more physical than, well... I didn't feel like that was missing the last three games. But but if you're talking about it being an important part of this series, if you're worried about that being an advantage for Tampa Bay, I guess. But again, it's a question mark because, yeah, he's a physical player, but does he gain any advantage for you in terms of his physicality? I'm kind of dubious to that. Look at the last three games. Luke Shen was physical. Morgan Riley was physical. Austin Matthews got dragged into being physical. I feel like the the Maple Leafs stood their own quite well, and they were in control. Yeah, there were some penalties and there were some fights, of course. But I felt more comfortable with that level. Ryan O'Reilly, I forgot about him. There's more people that like rose to the occasion without having Michael Bunting there to be the guy that, you know, is the one sparking the fights. Also, Michael Bunting, yeah, he draws penalties, but he also takes penalties. I think he's like a plus one net penalty ratio. Is that the correct way to say that? Yeah, Season ratio, like he, one to one, calls, whatever it is. He draws a lot of penalties. One, I think whatever. he's like up in the top five of the league, but he also takes a lot of penalties. So it's not like it's just like you need him out there to draw penalties. So it's not like you're missing this huge factor in terms of, oh, we're going to get a lot of power play opportunities. That's that's not it. It's, yeah, the level of physicality. But we've brought this up. You can't fake toughness. We're more scared of Tanner Janot than Michael Bunting, right? Like, it's, if you're going to be a physical guy, you got to walk the walk. you got to talk the talk. He has no career fights. And I'm asking you to go in there and fight tonight or tomorrow. That would be probably the worst thing to do. But I think the Maple Leafs have certainly rose to the occasion of not having him in the lineup and being physical enough that they've been able to win three straight games. At the core of this like discussion, bunting is a massive variable. And if he's a variable, that means he can change the outcome or can you know can be quite he can have a major contribution to the outcome mm-hmm. because he could be a negative, he could be a major positive. Mm-hmm. But if you're the Maple Leafs and you're up three one, do you need something that can swing it? I guess is the question Sheldon Keefe's gotta be asking. Do you need someone that can help you get over the hump and win that fourth game? Do you want to avoid someone who can make it a little bit easier for Tampa to get some wins that could lead to the big win, which is game five? Michael Bunting is a major variable, and you got to decide if you're Sheldon Keefe whether or not you want to introduce that to the game five equation. I wonder how differently we'd feel if it was 2-2 coming home. He'd, he'd be in. 
Yeah, I'm he would be in. Pretty confident. Two two makes a big difference. Three one. This is the question of you're in the home stretcher on the you know, the one goal one yard line here. If he's in, who does he take out? See the. Don't say, don't say I don't want to take out anyone. No, but like, no, if no, he's no, in, no. Of who, course, somebody has to come out of the lineup. Yeah, who is it? It's Lafferty or Zach Aston Reese. It's Lafferty for me. He's your guy, Justin. I know. I felt the disappointment in your voice. Yeah, but Lafferty is a vet. Lafferty hasn't been a problem. I I should have looked up the numbers for the fourth line. I've kind of. I think the fourth line is settled in here. It's hard because the there's no Tampa one that isn't we're running rough shot, right? Thing. And it it would have been easier. But everyone's pulled it, pulled up their socks a little bit in the last couple of games. Like they don't want their their spot to be taken by Michael Bunting. Everyone has. <laughs> it's funny because there's. It's been like mostly adequate. Yeah. And adequate generally doesn't win playoff series, but they are up three one. But it's not like oh that's a clear issue. That's right. It's like we're the, everyone's on or no one's on, and that fourth line maybe has been the most consistent. You probably the Matthews Marner partnership when. It can be one, has been, but that fourth line, it's not, again, it's not like Corey Perry and Pat Maroon are doing whatever the hell they want out there. They've been good. They've been heavy. They've done their job. I got some texts if you want. Sure. We got to get to Lalonde too before you go to break. So let's save the the text then because I definitely want to get to Lalonde because we missed, we had too much to talk about yesterday. I don't know. I, I definitely mentioned it yesterday. We wanted to ask Merrick about it. Don't think we got to it. But Derek Lalonde said something that's, you know, really making the waves on social media. A lot of people are talking about it. We do have the clip. Of course, Derek Lalonde, former assistant coach with the Tampa Bay Lightning, won cups with John Cooper and has been on Hockey Night in Canada right in the middle there with Ron and Elliot at his flanks. Buddy is is like going for a spot on the panel. I mean, what a get, right? Might have a new career path. And he's the current head coach of the Detroit Red Wings. Um, So he's been given some really, really good insight but this tidbit on Andre Vasilevsky has really got the hockey world talking. Let's go to that now. He has very few weaknesses. In one thing, actually, we did a study back in the day. He was uh, one of the lower percentage goalies in finding pucks from the points. We actually changed our entire oh, D zone, yeah. and we improved our pass rush. So That's sta- a huge thing to say on national TV. It's a, it's a state secret, right? Like, this is confidentiality 101, you'd think. I mean, if I'm John Cooper, I'm furious. Like, remember, remember He's the Stanley- a lawyer. He's probably got some sort of clause that he, buddy's signed some sort of thing, and John Cooper's got like a dead dead. I don't, I don't know six. if the NDA was signed because he surely wouldn't have said it if he signed an NDA. But like, Cooper invites all of his assistants drinking Bud Light on the podium, winning Stanley Cups. Like, these guys go back. Mm-hmm. And you're watching this, and if you're like the average fan, you're like, oh, cool. why, why do we have the Lightning assistant coach on there? Like, this is a Leaf. It's not a Leaf broadcast, but this is this is how a lot of fans look at it, right? Like, mm-hmm. why, why isn't this pro Leafs? This is a Leaf thing. It's not. It's a national broadcast. It's the Stanley Cup playoffs in Sportsnet. That's not the way it's, it's, like, it's yes. approached, right? So it's a great get. Sportsnet knocked it out of the park. I mean, who's going to have more insight on the series God, than LeLon? Right? And, of course. But... <laughs> This is this is even beyond what I think they would have expected they would have gotten because this is something this is like a little crack in the armor of someone who we thought was impenetrable 
And if I'm John Cooper, and, and Lalonde's still the coach of the Detroit Red Wings, so that's something he's still within the coaching fraternity actively. It's not like he's just mm-hmm. an analyst who's sharing it's true. He's Tony not even Romo. Retired. Like Tony Romo, when he started, was like, oh, I know everything about everything, and I can say it because mm-hmm. I don't have an affiliation with anyone. And this is an active coach in the NHL in the division, worked under Cooper forever, not necessarily telling the Leafs and Sheldon Keefe something they don't know already. I'm sure they have some sort of data Look, on this. Sheldon Keefe comes out and said, yeah, we have access to that too. But also, if you're Sheldon <laughs> Keefe, you'd say that. You'd, of course, say that. I don't know if Sheldon Keefe knew, oh, yeah, we changed our entire defensive zone structure to deal with this clear weakness in the best goaltender in the game. It is certainly like uncharted waters, and I think that's why most people on social media are like, whoa, and I agree with him. Like, if I was in that locker room... And I saw that a guy that meant a lot to this organization who currently still is a part of the National Hockey League saying that. I benefited greatly from the organization. I would be, I'd be rattled. So, but the point he makes is clearly something that we've brought up too is, is Vasilevsky just, he's off. He's different. Something's, Something's changed. Whether it's confidence level, whether we've seen the cracks in the armor, but it's certainly a tidbit that... If you have already, and I'm sure the Maple Leafs have already found and have been exploiting, it could be the difference, and it has been the difference so far in the series. And again, if Sheldon Keefe, I I bet they are very aware that you know how goals go in on Andre Vasilevsky. They've been studying this guy for they got multiple years in their video now. Room. I hope they knew, and that's how they're approaching it. There, how many goals have been tipped in? Kerfoot's, Matthews. Morgan Riley scored from the point multiple mm-hmm. times. Like, th- that's how the goals are going in on Andre Vasilevsky. And Cooper said it the other day, or yesterday, I, I, you can't really, like, yeah, he's given up 19 goals in four games. It's bad. But which ones do you want to take back? He mentioned one. He outlined one. And he's defending his guy. But a lot of these are going in the exact way that Lalonde put it out there. And I think it's not even, it might not even be all about Vasilevsky. Because we talked about a diminished blue line without Ryan McDonough. Cernak's out of the lineup right now. You're forcing young guys in like Darren Radish and Perbix. How are those guys just not dealing with the requirements of a lightning defenseman as well as lightning defensemen did previously, which is clearing the front of the net, tying Mm -hmm. up sticks and bodies, and that's how the Leafs have gained their advantage. It's not about Vasilevsky being washed all of a sudden. It's that the things you were doing to protect Vasilevsky, you can no longer do. Is that the, that is the change in the lighting? Is that, is that the change in the lighting? It might be. And if you look at Alon's comments, I think, I think it lends credence to it. What else can he, can, what else can he share on the panel? <laughs> Give us some more dirty deeds. Oh yeah, Derek. I mean, might again, as well. Cooper might be mad. This is great for the viewer. Great for Big the time. league fan. Great for people who are talking about this series. I'm saying it's never really never happened before. So he's got another opportunity to, tomorrow night. See what you got, Derek. All right. Well, we got your text in at five ninety five ninety. Uh, we won't be taking calls till Friday. We'll do that post game five, uh, which could be a really really great Friday. It could be a very special Friday in the city of Toronto. Let's hope that we get it that way because Justin and I will be in attendance. It'd be pretty damn cool to see that happen, but. Nonetheless, we got another day to set that up. We'll continue talking with um, our buddy Matt Marchese at 7, producer of the Jeff Merrick Show. Uh, we'll go through the bunting conversation, the Lalonde conversation with him as well. John Morosi at 7.30. Shana Goldman is going to join us at 8. She writes for The Athletic, um, a full NHL-wide picture of what's going on in the league. And then we've got a Leafs legend, Ed Belfour, joining us on the show at 8.30. Eddie the Eagle, 
He's going to break down what it's like to be a goaltender in the pressure-filled position that the Maple Leafs are feeling, but also Andre Vasilevsky because he's uh, got some cracks in the armor maybe. Is he seeing it as well? And for maybe just one more day, the last goaltender to win a series in a Leaf sweater. I love that. All right, the A-list on the other side of the break on the Fan Morning Show. Sportsnet 590 Now it's time for hey, the A-list. Bing bong. Bing bong. Bing bong. All right, some teams might want to take note of this next A-list topic. Kind of sets a tough precedent, though, so fans will like it. Teams open the door to a bit of chaos. So the Tottenham Hotspur. Not doing too well this season, to say the least. Uh, they're playing Newcastle United. And they allowed five goals in the first 21 minute, minutes in Sunday's match. Mm-hmm. They lost 6-1. So they decided as players to say the following, quote, As a squad, we understand your frustration, your anger. Pause for a second. Doesn't it start to sound like that Tampa Bay Lightning? Yeah, did they copy and paste? No, no, no. But it does start similar. I just felt that weird memory memory of that. Quote, as a squad, we understand your frustration, your anger. It wasn't good enough. We know words aren't enough in situations like this, but believe us, a defeat like this This hurts. This is copy and paste. (laughs) But look what they did next. The player said in a statement released via Tottenham social media, quote, we appreciate your support home and away. And with this in mind, we would like to reimburse fans for the cost of their match tickets from St. James Park. Wow. So they're going to reimburse their fan base for their disturbing 6-1 loss last Sunday. Did it? So it's from the players. Is it from the players' bank accounts? Is it a little? I have no idea how that's going to work. little fund that they created? Nonetheless, that's a big Everyone bring in 10,000 pounds and we'll see if we can disperse some money. And yeah, I don't know. It says from the players. So I guess the players are deciding that they're going to cover the cost of their fans who had to witness that showing. We think we have like drama. There is nothing. Um, You're right. Like whatever, British English radio must be just absolutely off the charts. I would like to listen to the come on and rip Tottenham Hotspur to shreds. Chelsea's fired two managers this year. That's wild. Tottenham started the season hot is now a complete gong show. Like they, it's it's amazing the up and down, the fickle nature. It's it must be a dream to talk about. Oh, they've got content. They probably don't even have uh, the twenty four hour shows. Like they've got people coming on do the one to three a.m., the three to five a.m. Like oh yeah, we are slackers compared to radio. Over in the UK, whatever, you know, the whales, all that dilemma again. (laughs) Let's not get into that. We're not getting into that. Nonetheless, England. if your team sucks bad enough, you might be able to peer pressure the players into paying for your tickets. There you go. Something to note. Hint, hint, Toronto Raptors. All right, full day ahead on the fan morning. You got Matt Marchese joining us on the other side of the break. Let's see his thoughts on Michael Bunting, the big question mark on this Wednesday morning.